church. How are we all doing? Yeah, awesome. I um I hope everyone's had a really good weekend. It's the beginning of school holidays. Yay. I don't know how many parents actually cheered at that, but that's cool. Um, the teachers did, right, okay. So um, I had this really lovely weekend, actually. Dad on, and I, on Friday, um, we went down to Turov, to the snow, first time for the um, season. And um, I've said this before, I love adventures and um, adventurous activities, but I'm really bad at them. And... Um, So when it comes to skiing, I always start the season off quite tentatively and build my confidence up as we go along. But um, it was quite incredible uh, on Friday. I actually got worse as the day went on. Um, So it's always really encouraging when that happens and gives you lots of motivation to keep going down. But what was really, really just amazing was the day. It was just beautiful. And... um, I was going to show you a picture of Dad and I, um, but Dad's even further removed than I am from the selfie generation and took a shocker, one of both of us. He likes to think, he said to me, he was like, it's because I wasn't trying that hard, Rue. But I did give you this photo. Ah, isn't that beautiful? This is our country, guys. My family and I seem to have this um, love of mountains and... um, Everyone else in my family likes to climb them. I like to take pictures of them. Um, but there's something so majestic and... Am I banging this in my quite a bit? Um, so majestic and um, beautiful and big about them that I'm just so... Every time I see a mountain, I'm just reminded at how big God is, isn't it? Just in his creation, it's just beautiful. Anyway, all right, guys, let's just pray, shall we? Dear Lord Jesus, we just... Um, we thank you that we can come here tonight and, um, and worship you. And we thank you for how big and majestic you are too, God, and that you are so much bigger than we are. And um, we just pray that tonight that, um, that you'll just open our ears to hear whatever it is that we need to hear tonight. And we just ask these things in your name. Amen. Now, I called tonight's church, uh, talk church. Why do we bother? You know, it's a question that I've been faced with um, over the years, and I know many of you have asked something similar as well. And um, so when the Soapbox series came up, and they said, pick a topic that you're passionate about. And um, I honestly, I get really excited about a lot of things. So church was sort of the one consistent thing that's been there throughout my life, and um, it's been a big part of my life. So I thought tonight I'd share a few stories and about my experience and what I've come to know and ultimately love about the church. Generally speaking, um, when we think about it, we often become Christians for selfish motives, right? Um, even when we grew up in church, we all want our ticket to heaven. You know, we need God to fix something, help with something, fill a void in our lives. We want that peace that he's promised us. And um, we all want and need his help, and we all, you know, we want to avoid hell. It doesn't sound like a good place. I might be being a little bit cynical here, but I'm saying these things because it's important for us to be honest with ourselves. You know, we love the advantages. We love what he did for us, how he loves us, cares for us, forgives us. It works for us, right? You know, it's God, lead me, guide me, protect me, show me, give me, help me. You know, we find our prayers are so focused on the here and now 
that generally speaking, we don't focus on the eternal. Then we come to church, and I don't know what gets you excited, but for a lot of my friends, it's the, the techie stuff, the cool gear, lighting. For other people, it's the preacher. For other people, it might be a really great worship. But the tension that we have is when we live in a very consumer-focused world, um, it spills over into our approach for God and how we approach church and where we find ourselves fighting our own selfishness, our own desires, and in other words, we sit there asking what's in it for us. For those of you um, who don't attend our morning services or are new, I spoke um, in our morning service last year about um, my husband who passed away from leukemia about four and a half years ago now. And um, I've recently started going on a couple of dates. <laughs> and um, <laughs> these are generally blind dates that my friends have set me up on. And um, to help you understand how most of them have gone, I'm going to say most, not all. Um, my dad was texting me uh, whilst I was on one of these dates. And, um, and how's the dating going, you know, as every dad does. And um, my reply was, like a slow train wreck. Um, you know, but dating is this funny thing. It's not something that I've ever really done before. Um, my husband Carl and I, we were friends and, and, and got married, basically. Um, but it's weird, you know, you're, dating, it's sort of like you're putting your best foot forward, the other person's putting their best foot, foot forward, and you're, you're looking out for clues and asking questions to see if there are any warning signs or if the other person has any qualities that you like and if you could really stand to deal with that quality for the rest of your life. It's a weird, weird game. Yeah, all on the first date. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't be a girl if I wasn't. <laughs> but I was thinking about this the other day and about my marriage to Carl, and it, and it wasn't a perfect marriage because um, neither of us were perfect. I knew Carl's flaws and he knew my one or two minor, <laughs> very minor flaws. Still single, people can't overstate it. But because of the love that we had for each other, um, and we were able to help each other work on these things and forgive and help each other in these areas because ultimately we knew the potential that each one had. But I think dating is sometimes how we treat the church. We stand back, not invested at all, and judging it, deciding if we really want to make a lifetime commitment to it. But I think the modern approach, I've got um, my trolley boy who's not on form, <laughs> Colin. Oh, beautiful work, mate. Yes. <laughs> I think the modern approach to church is a little bit like these pot plants we've got going on here. So we've got church one, two, and three, and we've got, I labeled them because I'll forget their names, Bob, Mary, Tim, Joe, and Sally. And they're all going to different churches. And Joe and Sally here, they love their church, and they say to Mary, Mary, come along. We've got the most amazing worship. You're just going to love it. So Mary goes, yeah, all right. I'll come over here. And then eventually Tim joins too because, well, Tim's got a thing for Mary. And then, and then we've got Bob over here who says, guys, seriously, I've got the most amazing 
preacher. And so Joe goes, oh, that's what I'm about. I don't care about that singing. And so, and then, and then Tim decides, oh, no, this one's got a really good small group. Cool. So we go there. And then Joe comes over here. And so Bob goes over there too. And then Joe offends Tim. And so Tim goes back over here. And then Bob goes, well, I've got no mates, so I'm going to go back over this way. What a mess of church this makes, right? And what's crazy is that no one's growing. No one's planted. No one even has a chance to grow. Trolley boy. Beautiful. You know, beyond the offences, there's actually just sort of this fear and missing out, even in churches. But you know what? We have to stop dating the church. We can't stand back and remain uncommitted. We have to fall in love with it, recognising its imperfections, and realise its capacity to impact people, regardless of its faults. Some of us need to ditch the crazy dating checklists because God is asking us to enter into this committed relationship with him that includes his people, the church. We need to see the church as God sees it, not dating it, but as its bride. A lifelong commitment. Or else you might be a Christian of 50 years and still dating the church at 50. In my marriage, Carl and I were accountable to each other, and unlike dating, you're not accountable to anyone. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7 says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Amen. You know, um, I love Bethlehem Baptist, BBC. I was working out the other day that it's been uh, 23 years ago that my family uh, turned up at BBC, dressed in our favourite outfits, courtesy of Grandma's Sewing Skills. And um, my experience growing up in church was probably a little bit different um, from some of your experiences. When your parents are the pastors of a church and at the time the only pastoral staff on team, there was no such thing as going away on weekend trips. I used to think it was so strange that families would go away over the weekend because, like, you'd miss church. But guaranteed, when we did go on holiday, someone would die. Now, I know that death, like truly, I do know that death of someone is really sad and it's a tough time. But for me as a child, it was a serious inconvenience. Like, couldn't they have waited a couple of weeks? Didn't they know I was on holiday? I was a child, guys, all right? Christmas, although I love Christmas and it was a big um, family affair, it was also a work day. And uh, in the early days, um, a night before Christmas was on Christmas Eve down at the Whiteall Bridge. And so Dad wouldn't finish pack up until about 2 a.m. And so although Dad was such a trooper, it made, um, and made Christmas Day a lot of fun. He often had this zombie smile on his face for most of Christmas Day. So it was like, I'm loving life. 
But when we first moved onto this land and um, when the church auditorium was actually what the cafe is now, Dad's told the story before, there was no cleaners or cleaning roster in the church. And um, so it became, cleaning the church became the fun family bonding that I so required and so desired. Now, I'm not sure if it's still the case, but um, the male toilets that are over by the children's church uh, used to have a sensor on the door. So whenever the door opened, the urinals would flush every time. And so um, I got the job of cleaning the urinals. And my darling younger brother thought it was the funniest joke to walk in and out of the door all the time for, of course, every valid reason he could think of, just to set these, um, these, I don't know, flushes off. And so here I am cleaning the inside of these urinals, these bowls. I must have been about 12 years old, so I mean, you know, all in all, just not a good time and just getting splashback of urinal water in my face like every few seconds. It was mortifying, like I was just so horrified. And, um, and I went to dad and dad just said, Brittany, everybody's called to clean the toilets. <laughs> yeah, as you can see, I still remember it. There were many things that the, uh, the church celebrated that felt like personal punishment for me. Um, I remember everyone was really, really excited about the fact that we had to move to two services um, on a Sunday morning. And I just remember thinking, like, I think mum and dad even sat us down. And I remember thinking, like, seriously? We have to be here longer on a Sunday morning? Praise Jesus. (laughs) I spend a lot of my childhood explaining uh, to adults mainly that, no, my parents do not get to take home Uh, all of the money that comes into the offering bags each week. And no, my family is not like the Flanders. Thank you, Simpsons. They were interesting years. So, of course, what did I decide to do? I decided that I would study theology. Hey. (laughs) I am currently studying at Kerry Baptist College, and one of the papers I had to take this year was on church history. And although there have been some incredible movements um, and It's been so fascinating to uh, hear of what God has done through various people over the last couple of centuries. But I'm sure I don't actually have to remind you of the hurt that the church and people have done in the name of God. Unfortunately, we don't have to scratch much off the surface to see similar things being done today with cases of spiritual abuse. And as Colin and Monica addressed a number of months ago, the Me Too, Church Too movement. And I, for one, am so pleased that they are now dealing with the historical sex abuse cases. And I can't go further without saying that for anyone who has ever had those experiences in a church and been hurt by people who know better, I am so sorry. I am so, so sorry for the experiences that you've had. But regardless of my personal experiences in church, Bethlehem Baptist grew. It was quite a phenomenon at the time, actually, and um, God just poured people in, and BBC quite literally became uh, a place where new hope was born. It was a safe place for people to find God, to be a part of a community, to know God's grace, healing, and friendship. Bethlehem always had a belief in uh, giving their best away, 
and in other words, helping people grow in their gifts and abilities, sometimes sending them out to go even further than what they could have here, like sending them to college or on the mission field, helping them to find their place and their purpose. And it has been beautiful to watch and be a part of. Now, I've not been blessed with the uh, gift of being able to fish. There are a lot of experienced fishermen in my family, and um, quite honestly, I'm terrible. Even as kids, um, we would be fishing off the wharf, um, like my sister and I with my grandparents, and my sister would always catch more than me. I'd get two, she'd get four. I'd get four, be really excited, and she'd get six. And um, and my grandparents would always just... uh, ensure that we get photos, just to ensure that I would remember how bad a fisherman I was. But um, in 2015, 2016, I spent eight, nine months living in Fiji with Bulla Coffee. And um, some of our staff were from this village called Rukukulevu. I'm probably not saying any of them right anymore, but it's just outside of Singatoka. And um, each year there's this fish called chule. And um, the fish only comes once a year to this village. It's the only part of Fiji that this fish comes to. And the season lasts about three to four weeks a year. And so I went down, the staff invited us down to their village and went down one afternoon after work to check out this fishing. And um, honestly, I wasn't terribly excited about fishing, but what I saw was this. This just totally blew my mind. Now, for those of you who are concerned, these are fully grown fish. (laughs) Um, But this would happen a few times a day, and uh, when the tide was right, and boatload after boatload would just come flooding in. This video really just doesn't actually um, do it justice. The net stretched across the beach a couple of times over, and all the villagers would come down and work to get the fish out of the net. I've truly, truly never seen so many fish. It was quite a sight. Just a few months before this um, was Cyclone Winston, um, which devastated so much of Fiji, um, homes and crops, and it was a really, it was a really sad event for the country. Um, BBC worked alongside Bulla Coffee and helped feed a number of villagers, particularly in the highlands, who had no food for the months after um, this event. So it was literally life-saving. But as I mentioned, the season for this fish normally only lasts about a month or so. But this year, it lasted somewhere between three and four months. And I remember speaking to a couple of our staff and said, you know, guys, why is it that the seasons lasted so long? And they said, because God is blessing us because of what happened with Cyclone Winston. Wasn't that cool? But what's more special about this story is um, the way they handle the fish and have always done so. The villagers, they never sell this fish because God gave it to them. And um, they have this belief that they always ensure any visitors to the village are given fish first as a gift. So everyone who comes into the village um, writes their name on a sheet of paper and all the fish are divided up and given away. But they gave away their first to the visitors. So it's them literally on the beach divvying up all the fish. 
Here at BBC, we give our best away. And in doing so, I believe that God has blessed us with more. It's like these photos, you know, we're found in this net called church. And like those fish, people were pouring in. But simultaneously, people were giving themselves away. God used this particular village to bless others. They gave so much away and, excuse me, sorry. They gave so much away. I lost my place. But God kept providing more. We all have a choice to bless others or to bless ourselves. I know that as a kid, I thought selfishly that church was a pain (laughs) because it felt like it got in the way of everything that I wanted. But as I grew, as I came to see that as I gave myself away, so I am blessed. With changes in attitude and heart, with growth, knowing that Jesus is using me, as I look outside myself, I gain more in him. Who here's got the Bible app on their phones? I love it. It's... um, it, particularly like for one, someone like me who's really bad at remembering um, scripture references and things, it has this great search function um, where you type in a word or a couple of words and it comes up with all of the scriptures that has that word in it. And um, the other day I searched the word one another. And this is what I found. It's quite a lot, so bear with me. Encourage one another. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Be kind to one, one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Encourage one another and build one another up. Submit to one another. Comfort one another, agreeing with one another. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Bear with one another's burdens. Do not lie to one another. Serve one another. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Welcome one another. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. There are so many, but my favorite one is this. It's found in John. It says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Isn't that such a beautiful picture of church? This is what we're to be known for. This is why we bother with church. By our love for one another, they will know that we are his disciples. Love is seen in how we treat people. All people. Oh, sorry, guys, I missed that one. Francis of Assisi said famously, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Quite honestly, I don't care if you can repeat the entire Bible back to me. You have a fish symbol on your car or you post scriptures on your Facebook page because those things only, only make sense to people if you show love. They might then see your fish symbol and say, ah, that's why they're kind. That's why they're loving. That's why they're welcoming. I'm not actually saying anything complicated tonight. But doing these things is anything but easy. 
It's hard. I know for myself, I have a fight going on all the time. I fight my insecurities. I fight my I can't be botheredness, my fears, my fears to be vulnerable, my fears to forgive, to serve, to be welcoming, to pray for someone else. My biggest fight is my selfishness, my need to take care of myself. I'm not talking about valid needs here or health, but it's the selfishness that drives me to say, if I don't care, take care of myself, then who will? I tell you who will. God will. There's a saying at the moment, it's like, live your best life. You know, selfie moment, living my best life. But selfishness actually keeps us from living our best life. The more we try to make ourselves happy, the more unhappy we actually become. But I tell you in my fight, both for and against church, over my lifetime, is if you are just turning up for a Sunday service and going home, you are missing out on the best parts of church and community. Maybe you're like me, and as a kid you saw church as a have-to, or in my case also my parents' job. It was an inconvenience for everything else I wanted to do in life. And so we say to ourselves, if it's something that we have to do, then we might as well crank out that checklist and go shopping. Well, you might end up planting yourself in a couple of churches at the same time. But like those plants, I can tell you now you won't grow. Not really. But what's more is the rest of us miss out because if people are not growing or participating in community, we struggle to produce fruit. And I can't do it on my own. Stop dating the church. I know there are so many times that I've come to a place where I thought church was all about and all for me. I had to go to God remorsefully and repent or just outright say sorry of that thinking, and sometimes I still do. Even this week, I had to have a chat to God about some of my attitudes. And maybe that is you too. And you need to repent of those attitudes so you can fall in love with the church, his community again, and begin to show love. Trust where God has placed you. Dig deep, plant yourself, and let your roots grow so that you can then bear the fruit that God wants you to grow. I just want to get the band up again. And um, you know, guys, church isn't perfect. And maybe some of you just need reminding of that. We need to get planted. Like that Fijian village, we need to give our best away. Maybe you need to have a chat with God about your attitude, your fears and selfishness so that you can begin to reimagine what it means to be in community and be focused on one another. The band's going to just um, play a bit of music, and I just want you to really, really want to encourage you guys to just take this time, take a few moments out before God and just have a chat to Him, you know? And there's always people up here that are willing to pray for you, be in community, talk to your neighbor, ask them to pray for you. This church is important.